Welcome into the Roaring Repeater podcast here on 7220sports.com. I am your host, Cody Tucker, joined as always by Jared Newland, coming to you live from the downtown studios here in Cheyenne, the Town Square Studios, <laughs> uh, which, speaking to the boss the other day, Jared, she's trying to put this mural thing in the front. The owners are not having it. They don't want anything new on the walls here at all. It's so new and nice, they don't want to mess with anything. The funny thing is, the murals <laughs> peel off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's permanent. Now it's got me scared to put anything up anywhere where we are, because I think next year we definitely should do something where we're where we're on video doing this. Nobody wants to see us. I think they do. And I would even do it topless. Oh, boy. Then we'll have a lot of lot of people tune in. A lot of chicks. A lot of chicks, for sure. And, uh, and then they'll bring great questions. Swing that demographic. <laughs> uh, how's things? We haven't done this in a while. I've been, got the plague again from, uh, you know, that's what happens when you have children. Yeah, I've been staying away from people with the plague. <laughs> and now here we are in a little box. <laughs> now you're probably... Most part over it. I'm on the way yes, down, yeah. but man, it's been a been rough sledding, dude. I've never been this sick. I was telling uh, I was telling my mom actually the other day, which shouldn't probably be telling mom things like this, but I'm like, you know, I haven't puked sober this many times <laughs> since probably elementary school. <laughs> Puking sober sucks. I don't know if you've ever done it. <laughs> Very rarely, but yeah, no when. Certain certain bugs, they'll, they'll get you. Oh, man. It's been rough. But we have missed quite a bit of news on here. It's, of course, it's all on 7220sports.com. But we uh, we haven't talked about a lot of the the news over the last few weeks, starting with uh, Jay Savelle putting a staff together. Um, I think you know Jason Petrino, uh, at least the Petrino family. Uh, yeah, I know Jason. I was in the department when he was there, both under Joe Glenn as a director of ops and then as uh, – Excuse me, the other way around, a GA under Joe Glenn and then director of ops under Dave Christensen, excuse yeah. me. And um, I actually uh, traveled with Jason a couple times when other people couldn't go to um, advance for football trips. Um, they just said, well, you're available. Do you want to go? And I said, well, sure. I still don't understand the advancing part of it. Because yeah. you just go a day early and go meet with the bus company, meet with the hotel, things like that. And it's like, you shouldn't hire these companies if they're not, uh, they don't know what they're doing yeah. that type of a deal. But it just, you just go out a day early and, you know, it was San Diego one time, I remember. So we got to go hang out in San Diego a day early. You know what I immediately think of when you say some a job like that? If there's any screw-ups, the head coach is going to murder you. Well, yeah. <laughs> the but bus doesn't show up on time. Or... But it's still, I mean, these bus companies are hired because, they deal with teams. Yeah, yeah. These ho- you stay at these same hotels because that's where other teams stay. Yeah. And they have a reputation of doing a really good job. And the players all walk in and their keys are laid out on a table. Exactly. And, yeah. Offense on one table, defense on another, coaches on another. Craig's not walking up to the to the front going, oh, yeah, I need 200 rooms tonight, please. Yeah, it, it's this is done. <laughs> it's being done like, like right now for Arizona State. In fact, yeah. those rooms are probably already booked. Yeah. Because they've known that date for a long time. Yeah, true. So, you know, things true. like that. And somebody's probably already advanced down there for some reason. Yeah. But it, that's how it goes. Oh, yep. interesting. Um, I love that hire. I love the Jason Petrino hire. This guy was the defensive coordinator at North Dakota State last year. This guy has had D.C. experience. He's had He's been he's coached every facet of a defense, and now he's coming here to be a safeties coach. So I think – 
people who are worried, Aaron Bull, of course, also named the D.C. He is elevated from his spot as a linebacker's coach. People kind of thought, oh, boy, I mean, he's a he's never been a coordinator before. Well, now he's got a defensive coordinator on the back end. The head coach is a defensive coordinator. And Aaron Bull was raised in Craig Bull's house. Craig Bull was a D.C. during Nebraska's heyday. Yeah. I, I, I'm not scared of that hire whatsoever, aside from what we've discussed before, that is he on the field now? Is he up in the booth? How much did he, how much did Jay Savell rely on Aaron Bull in the booth? Will Aaron need to rely on somebody in the booth? That's my only question. Other than that, the guy knows defense. He knows how to run a defense. And if not, he's got a couple guys to lean on that are pretty damn good. And it shows that he has the respect of the defense of players, that yes. is. Yeah. Because none of them are leaving. None of them are bickering about the hire. No. And they're loving what's going on over there. And that's evident by only less than a handful of people have left. And all but one had zero playing time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we'll talk a little bit more about that down the trough here. But they they love Aaron Bull. Aaron Bull's a really likable guy. He's a very personable guy. He he has players coach written all over him. Uh, Jason Petrino and I texted back and forth a couple times. He seems really, really nice, too, and the stuff I've read about him. His family ties are so deep in this region, uh, and it's all football coaches. He knows He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he has – Two brothers that are in the coaching, or were in the coaching, one still is. One's a women's basketball coach at Boise State. He's been at Wyoming. Jared coached at Wyoming. Now he's in Casper as a field turf rep. Uh, he's the his, reason the turf's in warm, inside War Memorial Stadium right now. Well, Jed Easterbrook. Jed, yeah. 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 Uh, but, um, and then the two cousins, Paul and Bobby. Right. I mean, yeah, and his dad, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a... Long lineage of coaching, and it's, it's you compare that to the bowl, yeah, situation. I mean, you you're born into it; it's in your blood. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know their uncle Bobby's dad um, coached at Carroll College for a hundred years, and then Mike Van Deest, former Wyoming Cowboys, the one who followed him up and yeah. had great success at Carroll. So a uh, lot of ties right in that story. It was kind of crazy to see how many ties there are to the University of Wyoming. And I know Jason's really excited to get here. And I just think that's a slam dunk hire. And I think at least one of Jason's children were born in Laramie, maybe two. Yeah. And so it's 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 come full circle, especially for that that child or yeah. children, you yeah. know, coming back and stuff like that. And they used to live right down the street from me. Oh, that's awesome. He seems great. I, I just, I love that hire. I mean, you guys know the respect that, North Dakota State has they, they're hiring guys who could be FBS coaches at any school, for the most part. Um, so I mean, the fact that he led the defense at North Dakota State last year, and they're one they're one play away from being in the national championship game again last year. So the guy knows what he's doing. I think that is a really under the radar awesome hire for this for the staff. I also like the Aaron Bowl. I like uh, I like that they elevated him. <coughs> Excuse me, more continuity. Uh, more continuity with the staff because I wrote about it and we've talked about it. When Jay Savell was hired, Wyatt Eckler, Andrew Peasley, they both said, dude, if they would have went outside for this hire, it, the, whole, the transfer portal would have been packed. But now, like you mentioned, it's not. It's not packed at all. In fact, Colby Taylor is the only guy who, like you mentioned, had playing time last year. And he was benched the last two weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, all signs point to he was going, he was gone, and it was over. DQ James was kicked off the team. He's another guy in the portal. Keelan Cox was in the portal for a hot minute, 
now he's back. Jay Savell wants him back, and he wants to be here. So, But he's never played. He's another guy who's never played. They lost a true freshman who had never seen the field. They lost Caden Hawkins, a linebacker who I believe just signed with Louisiana Tech. He's a guy who played a couple of snaps on special teams. So they've lost virtually nothing in the transfer portal. Um, arguably, Jared, I could say the worst loss – not counting, obviously, guys who are out of eligibility, was Buck Coors announcing his retirement because he started that last game, that last home game in Hawaii, and he had a hell of a game. And he's obviously a fan favorite and a guy that everybody was real excited about. He's moving on. He's retiring. And, you know, six surgeries later, uh, that guy had quite the colorful college career but felt like it was just taking off. And he was finally healthy and he was finally making plays and he had a long way to go. And I can't remember which player it said or players <laughs> – said um, there are so many guys on this roster that you don't even know about. Oh, no doubt. That Because you don't get to go to practice. You don't get to see these yeah. freshmen, these redshirt freshmen that are working their tails off every single day in practice and making plays Yeah. other than maybe a, a coach mentioning them, say, hey, so-and-so had a heck of a day today on yeah. the scout team you know, or, or whatever. So Easton Gibbs brought that up in the Arizona Bowl press conference, post-game press conference. He's like, you, there's so many guys you don't even know about. And we had heard coaches telling us, not necessarily names, but saying, dude, there's some guys on this defense that are going to be scary good. And I think you've you've seen that the last several years. Yes. His spring game, like, who in the hell is that guy? Yeah. Or even the first, like, a Brandon Siders. Yep. Shows up in that first game two years ago and is like, uh, who's this little undersized yeah. guy on the end that's making plays? No doubt. So. No doubt, and and a Jordan Bertinoli and guys yeah. like that. I mean, it's just well, he got his in the first game. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. He sure did. So. Um, but you know, you make a great point. The spring game is going to be in Cheyenne this year because of what's going on construction wise at War Memorial Stadium. Uh, if you're going to come to a spring game, this is the one. Uh, come check it out because there's going to be some excitement. You're going to see some young cats, uh, and it's free. Free. It's good. You can come do the autograph thing, take pictures, all that good stuff. With Cody. With, yeah, with me. I'll be there. <laughs> Maybe. God willing. Shirt on. Shirt on. I'll be there. Uh, last hire, offensive coordinator Jay Johnson. Um, Jay spent the last four years at Michigan State. Um, you know, I used to cover Michigan State. Their fans, believe it or not, um, I hope you're sitting down, are maybe more negative than you. In fact, they are. They are way more negative, um, brutally negative. And uh, they infiltrated Wyoming's Twitterverse there for uh, for a day, and you got to see a little bit of that. Uh, Michigan State fans had nothing nice to say about Jay Johnson. I reached out to some former colleagues. They didn't glow necessarily about the guy. I guess he just doesn't have that personality that's glowing and outgoing, which is fine. Shocker, a football coach with yeah, no personality. exactly. Yeah, which is fine. But I got to tell you guys, Kirby Smart's not going to put a guy on his staff at Georgia who doesn't know what the hell he's doing and doesn't have, you know, he obviously wowed him in some way. Uh, and also wowed Mel Tucker because before Mel Tucker started making phone calls, he was thought of as the next up and coming hotshot coach. He got, he got hired away from Georgia to go to CU and turn that program around. He was starting to do that. And a lot of money. A lot of money. And then Michigan State threw a lot more money, and he, Midnight Mel, went to East Lansing, a place where he used to be a GA. And um, Midnight Mel because he left at midnight, <laughs> yes. or is it because of his late night 
phone calls and texting. Going six to midnight. Oh, okay. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes into when they go to Michigan State, it's COVID. I, I think we can all agree that's a wash. I mean, really, I, I know some people cringe and they're like, you can't just forget about a season. It's maybe how you handle it Which from I, a personnel standpoint and bringing, keeping your team together. Right. Which I would say Craig Bull did a masterful job of that. There was no cancellations, never a threat of it. But what hurt him was opt-outs didn't help. And plus, he was just a cranky bastard. And his negativity of, right. about the opt Right. Yeah. And even like Jay Savell joked about it in his introductory press conference, that that's one of his memories he'll always remember is Craig walking around with a six-foot pole poking people in practice saying, get the hell away from me. And get the hell away from each other. I mean, that was just a miserable year. But you can say San Jose State handled it well. They handled it very well. And they ended up winning the Mountain West. And, you know, they don't want an asterisk next to uh, next to their name. But we're going off on a, on a rabbit hole here. But uh, Michigan State, it, it was COVID. They come in during COVID. Then the next year, all this guy does is end up being a finalist for the Broyles Award, which is handed to the top assistant in the United States of America. What do Michigan State fans say about that? Well, he had Kenneth Walker. Well, he might have a couple of Kenneth Walkers at Wyoming. Yeah, and he still had to coach Kenneth Walker and make sure that he was calling the right plays. And he didn't have a great quarterback. Yeah. So it was all Kenneth Walker, and he was really good, a la Harrison Whaley, a healthy Dwayne McNeely. He could have that situation here as well. The next year, they kind of fall off a little bit, but they're building a program. They're, Michigan State's losing a bunch of guys to the portal. Then this year happened. Um, And keep in mind, guys, like Michigan State fans can't see it because they have the blinders on, but we can see it from here. They compete in the same division as Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. That's not even counting the people they recruit against, which Notre Dame's right down the road. All those Big Ten schools are right there. So they think it's the the sky is falling. We can look at it objectively and go, dude, I mean, you got three monsters in your own division, mm-hmm. not to mention your conference. So, you know, they were rebuilding, and then this year was just a total wash. I can't believe Michigan State won a game this year. I mean, seriously, this, this all went down right before the season started and just left them in a lurch. Mark D'Antonio got off his couch and came and helped coach. Harlan Barnett, who was there when I was there, a former safeties coach, He's now all of a sudden the head coach. I can, and they had guys leaving in the portal left and right. Guys who would play their four games and go, I'm done. Because they saw that this is bad, man. We're in bad shape, and I don't know if it'll ever be better. So they probably started the season with, what, 110 players? Yeah. And bare ended bones. the season probably with 80, yeah. 85. Yeah, bare bones. Yeah. So you cannot judge Jay Johnson, in my opinion, on almost his entire Tenure in East Lansing. And he wasn't the head coach. No, no. <laughs> he had some say-so, but not the say-so. Yeah, yeah. I think you look at his pedigree. Uh, obviously, him and Savell coached together at, at Minnesota. The guys made a lot of big stops. You don't do that on accident. And we kind of figured that it would have to be somebody that Jay knew. Yeah. And, and he still is young enough to where he's – it's not like he's 65 and like, oh, this is, this is my last stop. He's not that way. He's still looking, and he's still eager mm-hmm. to continue to get better and possibly get back to the um, Power Five no doubt. for that next payday. No doubt. And there's no – who cares? And if they win, I mean, they could be going together. What? 
I know that's a cuss word among this fan base, talking about the whole stepping stone thing. It's a good thing, folks. Wyoming hasn't been a stepping stone since, what, 99? Yeah, it's a good thing if somebody moves on, because that means you're winning. Yeah, would you rather have had... I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't mean to spread rumors that maybe aren't true, but I had always heard that Urban Meyer was leaving Bowling Green. Wyoming's job was open. Utah's job was open. He obviously had ties in the Mountain West at, at CSU and all that. Had heard, and Kevin, I asked Kevin McKinney about this, and he couldn't remember, but that Urban was offered Wyoming, offered Utah, ultimately decided Utah. Would you take that two years with Urban Meyer at Wyoming and watching him jump on, or six, seven years with Joe Glenn of, you know, you won a Vegas Bowl, you love Joe, but things didn't pan out? I think I'd probably take Urban. <laughs> we of course didn't have the Olympic money and I mean Utah's been a sleeping giant for a long time. But then the Olympics, I mean, they just had a golden horseshoe up their ass all at once. And then they end up with an assistant who's been there now what, nineteen years? From BYU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he Kyle Whittingham has got to be regarded as one of the top five coaches in college football. Yeah. And for it's the, and not just for the last few years, for the last fifteen years. Yeah. And it sucks to say that. I hate that guy a lot. He's probably my most hated coach in, in football. But was it just because of one incident? Uh, no, I think just the minute he was born and, and went to BYU <laughs> in the first place and then goes to Utah and does what he does and then continues that success and gets a Pac-12 invite. I just I can't stand yeah, it. Yeah, but when you watch an interview with him. I know. I know. He's... He's pretty slick behind the mic too. Like when he rolled up on him on a Harley. Now that was, year. I will say that was that was pretty badass. I don't like though when I hate people and then they make me not hate them. What if game day came to Laramie in the last couple of years and Craig rode his horse? I would love it, <laughs> but I like Craig. But <laughs> other fans would have like, oh, what a pompous ass, you know. <laughs> I would love that. That would have been great. Plus, that would mean Wyoming's winning if uh, game day's here. I would want to see him get on on the horse. He told me that's what he's going to be doing all. Yeah, but without a step stool. <laughs> no, no chance. That's a long ways up there. Maybe a Shetland pony. <laughs> <laughs> Old Craig's not hopping on a horse bareback. Uh, some other things, you know, we kind of touched on it. Um, the Cowboys have gotten two guys out of the transfer portal. Uh, so they signed a linebacker, Evan Eller, out of the Virginia Military Institute. 16th leading tackler in FCS. He has one year remaining. They're going to be without Easton Gibbs. I think they really like Connor Shea. Um, Shea Suino is coming back. Cole DeMarzo. Cole DeMarzo they really like. Um, you know, they got some dudes, but I think they wanted one more. And uh, this kid shows he's a tackling machine. And he's obviously a playmaker, and he's always around the ball. Absolutely. So. And he played safety and linebacker at, in Virginia. So uh, the dude's obviously an athlete. So... Signed him, love that signing. They so also, you're already comparing him to Logan Wilson, moving yeah, from safety yes, to linebacker, exactly. and he's going to be all Mountain West? Ken Fantetti, actually. All right. Yeah. Cody said that first. <laughs> Email me. I know you have it. Speaking uh, of Ken Fantetti, the Lions. Yeah. That's who I'm pulling for. Yeah, now. me too. Ugh. Go Lions. Sorry go, to get off. Go there. Lions all the way. Feel really good for some friends back in Michigan because, man, Denver started to slide when I lived there, and I'd be like, damn it, these guys drive me nuts. And they'd be like, dude, don't go there. Well, speaking of Fantetti, uh, Jed Easterbrook's a Lions fan. Yeah. And he has a Fantetti uh, 
jersey. Oh, nice. And I believe, if I saw right, that they're going to San Francisco for the game. Awesome. Yeah, he and his family. You have to, man. That's a, that's <clears throat> truly a once-in-a-lifetime situation. I, I wouldn't go to San Francisco. But. I've never been. I, I would love to go there one day. No, no. <laughs> don't ever go. <laughs> you know, uh, Kevin McKinney shocked me when we did the top 50 Wyoming football players of all time. Were you shocked to hear that, too? And we said, who's number one all time? And he says, Ken Fantetti. Not really, because I guess I say that because he told me that several times before. and That's quite a statement. Kevin's always been a defensive guy, though. Yeah. He loves defense. Well, I was also shocked Robert Gagliardi was like, he had Marcus Epps, I want to say, in the top five. I'm thinking, top five? Like, these are obviously really good players we're talking about, but top five? Fantetti number one? He made it to, I want to say Fantetti ended at like three. Yeah, I think he I made it to like was, three. Yeah. I mean, he was damn good, but it's hard. It's kind of like the Heisman voting, right? You're like, how can you vote for a guy who doesn't have the ball and a guy who. Well, and even the NFL MVP talk right now, they're saying on paper, Dak and Josh Allen are probably your front runners, but Lamar Jackson's going to win it. And the reason Dak is because of all the stats, but you look deep into it, he did most of his damage against bad teams. And didn't play well against good teams. And Josh, they actually had a running game this year. Yeah. Buffalo did. Yeah. And that skewed some of his overall stats. And he obviously threw the ball to the wrong team several times too many. Are they counting just the regular season for this? That's a good question. Because I don't know how Dak, the... I mean, Dak couldn't even be in the running after that Green Bay performance. Yeah, and I don't know how NFL, if they have to, the votes are in before... That and they just don't announce it until the week of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that I'm not works. Not sure about that either. Yeah, I know if that if they count the playoffs. Well, if they they Dak's should count out. the playoffs because yeah. it just shows you maybe say Jordan Love won last week yeah. the maturity of a guy like that throughout the season. Yeah, and he takes his team to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt. So. My vote goes to Jared Goff. Love that guy, man. He was just left for dead. Like, oh, thank you for taking us to the Super Bowl. Now you're, uh, we're going to ship you to Detroit. And how ironic that that swap was, I and know. that they end up playing each other. I know the way that it all. Stafford you know, was all but hurt after yeah. that game. Uh, I love to see it for my Lions friends. I really do. They are. Uh, it's a tough bunch, man. Uh, luckily for them, they've had good college football in the state of Michigan uh, because it definitely has not translated at the NFL level. And that uh, whole. Thing with Harbaugh still going on. Yeah. Two interviews. I mean, did NFL teams really have to interview a guy twice? And Belichick well, yeah. being interviewed twice in Atlanta? Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm Bill Belichick, uh, seven-time <laughs> Super Bowl champion. What more do you want me yeah, to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was actually shocked to see that the Chargers put it out on social media. Like, we've just concluded our first interview with Jim Harbaugh for our head football coaching position. Whoa. I wonder if they have to do that for the Rooney rule, though. I wonder. Just to yeah. I was have everything out there. Yeah, I was a little yeah. shocked to see that. Because uh, that used to be hush-hush stuff until Adam Schefter's of the world uh, came, into, came into play in the internet. How many mistakes does Adam Schefter, how many strikes does Adam Schefter get before he is like, like okay, we can't believe this guy anymore? You know... I know he's had some hiccups for sure. I mean, he we saw his start. I mean, he started here in Denver uh, at, at local TV station, and my whole you know, you know what I think of, when I think of Adam Schefter is I think that guy 
I don't even think about the mess ups and the the stupid stuff. I think about I would hate to be that guy. He has to have no sleep. Is on it all day every day. Seven phone phones. blown up all day every day. Like I think ESPN did a little special on him. I think he gets picked up by an ESPN car at his house in like Connecticut every morning, and he's like trucking over the bridge into New York City every morning at like five a.m. and it's just going all day long. I, I can't imagine that guy ever has a break. I know, like what I do drives me nuts sometimes when I'm you know you can never really get away fully. And you. In a position like that, you can't turn your alerts off. No. You have to be on top of it all the time. Yeah. And try raising a family. Oh, I know. I, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. And then you see him on, the, on live on the set, and he's on his cell phone while he's being interviewed live. And the, it, and I, I just imagine at all times one of those phones is just ESPN going, we need you on this show right now. I don't know. I mean, he must make a truckload of money, but you better if you're giving up your He life. has an NFC phone, an AFC phone, so yeah. kind of keep yeah. him straight. Owner's and- phone. Could you imagine if somebody got a hold of those contacts? Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> I need to find out who his Verizon dealer is. That'd be that'd be great. He's, uh, he's probably T-Mobile. Yeah. Before we get off the rails too much here, uh, the Cowboys also signed TK King, wide receiver, five foot nine receiver out of Texas Tech, speedster, folks. Oh my God, dude! I got to pull this up here. Before signing with the Red Raiders, King was a two-time state medalist on the track, running a personal best. Wind legal 20.74 in the 200-meter dash to land third overall in Class 6A, the largest classification in the Lone Star State. 20.74. That's fast. It's really fast. And, in fact, while we're – keep talking here. I'm going to look something up. He also took third. King, King, who's a 5'9 receiver, he also took third in the 4x100 relay, landing a school record time of 40.50. Uh, he also owns the fastest 200-meter time in A-Leaf Taylor track history. That's a high school in the greater Houston area. He did that as a junior. His reported 10.21-second finish in the 100-yard dash also happened that year. And you said 20.74. Yes. That is faster than the number one person in Wyoming outdoor track and field history. Wow. Damn. I, I was just talking to a friend about this. Yeah, Jay Savell keeps saying we need to get the ball in the hands of explosive players. And we need to get explosive players, retain them, keep them, develop them. Here's a perfect example of a cat who has three years left. Uh, if I'm Jay Savell, I'm sitting and I'm watching, as much as I hate this team, I'm watching the Chiefs and I'm watching Andy Reid and I'm watching – Stuff from what he did back in the day with Tyree Kill. I'm watching what he's doing with Pacheco, Edwards Hilaire, all those dudes. Just no end arounds and bubble screens. Yeah. But I'm, this, I mean, how many times have you seen Mahomes pop a shovel pass to one of these cats? Or just they're running around in motion and then run behind Mahomes and then he's pitching it to him and off they go. Did Have you watched the quarterback on Netflix? A part of it. Not a lot, but yeah. The one that. The part on Mahomes, I can't remember which episode it was, but they were talking about how at the end of a pr- one practice per week, Andy Reid lets the players improvise and mm. come up with plays, and then they name it, and then it might be used in the game and it awesome. might not be. But And that's where some of that weird stuff you see in a Chiefs game, it comes from those practices like, well, let's try it. 
all that weird stuff that yeah. works. Yes, it, it's gimmicky. Yeah. And and if you're the opposing team, yeah, it's gonna it pisses you off, and especially a fan is like, just play football. But do you? Th- but when you think of the Chiefs' offense, do you think like, oh, they're gimmicky, like how we thought of Boise State all these years? No, Boise State's one of the most gimmicky. Yeah, I think if you throw in a couple wrinkles like that, especially when you got a cat that's blazing like this, yep. you got to get the ball in his hands. And I think one of our biggest complaints this year is they didn't get the ball that year enough. He was probably their most dynamic offensive guy, and they didn't get him the ball nearly enough. So they've got to do that with this kid. You, they've got to. And this kid, he was a four-star prospect. I was reading about him on a Texas Tech site. They were so excited to land this guy because he was like the fastest guy in the state of Texas that was on the market that year that was coming out and, and going to college. Four-star prospect. He was named to the District 23 6A. He was named the, the District 23 6A Return Specialist of the Year as a senior, averaging 17.4 yards of return with one touchdown. He also earned first-team honors as a receiver, snagging 40 balls, 788 yard, or 780 yards and nine touchdowns. I covered 6A football in the state of Texas in the Houston area. It's stupid. It's truly stupid. I mean, they are that good. I would have never got that job covering Michigan State if I didn't cover football in Texas. That's how special it is. And I know you hear about Texas football all the time, but 6A football down there is the real deal. I mean, there's... I covered a team out of Crosby High School, which is probably the equivalent size of maybe Douglas. And 10 guys on their team had D1 scholarships. And every Friday night, I'm standing on the sideline along with, unfortunately, CSU, BYU, Utah, not to mention all the other Texas schools mm-hmm. and a bunch of other schools. So, I mean, this kid could be special. He was, uh, I see, he was offered by Colorado State. Indiana offered him, Houston, UTSA, Buffalo, North Texas, Memphis, Texas State. The other schools probably didn't because he's 5'9". And a Texas, for instance, can go out and get a guy that looks like Isaiah Nair, who also has breakneck speed. And bigger. Bigger, <laughs> bigger and faster. Yeah. Maybe not faster, but yeah. bigger. So, to me, I'm, I'm finding any way on planet Earth to get the ball in this cat's hands. So, first day that he's on campus, I want to race between... Him and John Michael Gillenborg. Because they say he's one of the fastest guys on the team, if not the fastest guy. Boy, I'd love to see that. Even <laughs> if, even if, if J. Mike's close in that race, that uh, that guy's got yep. – he's got – I hate to say this about him um, because you never know, but like Travis Kelsey-type qualities about this guy. Fast, good hands, gets open. He's so new in the game, too. He's fresh. Mark that. <laughs> Mark that for when the Chiefs draft him, which he would love because he's from that area, and I think he's a Chiefs fan, unfortunately. But a couple of nice pickups. I know they're not done yet, but you can consider these offseason pickups too. Alex Brown, he's coming back for a six-year. Um, kind of a weird uh, – I don't know if you saw, Jared, his his post on social media about coming back. He said, due to recent coaching changes, I will be returning – to the University of Wyoming, and you do you want to read too much into that? Or I think sometimes they just kids don't know how to word things properly, sure. yeah. and it's misconstrued sometimes. And he could be saying, due to recent coaching changes, because I love Jay Savell, not that I yeah. have anything against anybody and else. It's the same thing when people are putting out, these players are putting out, I'm declaring for the NFL draft. They're doing that just for social media hits. 
and to say, you know what, this is my dream. I'm going to go for it. And there's no reason to be negative if in the back of your mind saying, well, this kid has no chance. You don't know that these kids don't have any chance because there's certain fits for certain teams that these guys might slide right into. You just don't know that. Well, and what did we talk about just a few weeks ago? How many guys, how many quarterbacks started this year? Because I assume you're mainly referring to an Andrew Peasley. How many quarterbacks got a start this year that had no business maybe? I think when we, if I recall right, it was 42. Yeah, it was Out somewhere of 32 in the teams or 45 or something like that. Yeah. And you think about those like, how in the hell could there be, if there's 32 teams, 45 different quarterbacks? How are there even that many quarterbacks that are but one ding here and there? How many Sundays were you watching games and you're like, who the hell is that guy? I don't even know who he is or where he went to school. Or the last anything. couple of weeks, there was six or seven yeah. starters that had never started a game before. Yeah. And I had to look up several times, like, college and insert name. Yeah. And it was like, oh, he played there. Wow. Would you rather have a Trevor Simeon? Or a an Andrew Peasley, because I I think a Trevor his arm's not that great. I mean it's not elite by any stretch. And we and we saw a lot of the comments on Peasley's, you know, deal saying, you, when I think of Cowboy Tough, yes. you're in my top three. You're 100%. in my top five. And I you can say that across the board. Yep. Because he took more shots, and really some of them were so unnecessary because. Mm-hmm. Somebody missed a block, or he didn't get down himself, or he he wanted that extra yard, a la Josh Allen yep. used to do and still does sometimes. Yep. Like just go down, you guys. Yeah. And I saw an interview with uh, Lamar Jackson. Like, you didn't play high school baseball, right? And he goes, No. And he goes, You need to learn how to slide, though. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, and he laughs. He goes, Yeah, but I, I need. He goes, No, no, no. Your future and your health is more important than that extra yard. He almost didn't get a contract because of it. Yeah. He has not been able to complete a season healthy until this year, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets his ass kicked. A lot of those running quarterbacks get their ass kicked, and that's why they have short shelf lives. Look at Robert Griffin. He didn't last long. Well, he, you know, in that little Twitter battle with uh, Jay Gruden now. Oh, I didn't even see it. Because he was the head coach, yeah. you know, and it's... Is he trying to put it on Jay that... Yeah. He was hurt and yeah. stuff. Like he put him in bad situations and then Jay go Jay comes back and goes, You weren't good enough. <laughs> oh, that's why we drafted Kirk Cousins in the same draft. <laughs> go back and read it. Yeah. Anybody out there, it's it's interesting. But I think I know we're getting off the rails here, but that's what I guess what this show's all about. Uh RG three says a lot of controversial things he drives me insane and i wanted i mean if i guess i I was in a position to say it i'm like you're not even one of the elite broadcasters or um analysts or whatever it is out there no how are you in the position to say these things that you're saying and it's it's really not just about football and quarterbacks kind of get mixes into a lot of different things (laughs) And it's like, dude. I just see him like fanboying out. I remember, for instance, on ESPN, he did a deal where he spent the day with Michigan football and they hooked him up with all these Jordan shoes and shirts and all that. And that's what he was into more than anything on that entire trip. I think a lot of those guys yeah. that, you know, do that. Yeah. He just, there's something about him that just bothers me. 
Um, Alex Brown announces he's coming back. He's a guy that is just, we're just waiting for it. We've Maybe been, we've been this for it. is the year. Yeah. I have. I hope we've so. We've seen flashes. Yeah, we have. And damn it, it's just like, man, that guy. Such a big body. So big. So big, so fast. He, he knows this offense backward and forward. And are we going to hold the drop in the bowl game against him? <laughs> no. Okay. No. He, uh, I mean, hell, when you're only getting targeted a few times a year, I mean. That was in the bread basket. Well, I know. I know it was. I mean, that, Cody, you could have caught that. <laughs> well, I have great hands. No, Alex, uh, and maybe maybe Jay Johnson will see. I mean, I imagine Jay's been around nothing but P5 guys, and Alex Brown sure as hell looks the part. He might go, dude, here's what we need to get you doing. Like, you have got to be a big part of this offense. This is how you get separation. No doubt. And if you look at the small victories, Alex, this is the first year he went over 100 yards receiving. It's, you know, we're small victories here because, and you know, maybe we give him an unfair, maybe it's an unfair shake because of the way he looks. I mean, he just looks, he looks like Isaiah Nair, but bigger, bigger, stronger, faster. Like it's time. It's time. And it's not just because the clock's about to strike midnight. It's time. Like go make some hay, man. Go play ball. Go have fun. They've got to start, in my opinion, dialing some stuff up for him down the field. We... We should be seeing probably two, three balls downfield to him every game down the sideline, 50, 60 yards. And now there's a quarterback who can throw it 60, 70 yards in the air. Mm-hmm. So go get it. Go take a chance. Go see if you can make something happen. Uh, I'm, I'm happy he's coming back because this wide receiving core was about to be bare bones. I mean, they've, they've got some dudes, but a lot of unproven guys. I mean, Will Pellicer would have automatically had to step up, and he might still have to step up and be a number one, number two kind of guy. And there's still signing days in two weeks from today, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's there's going to be more announcements of people coming, and obviously King will officially sign at that time, right? Yep. Uh, but there there's good, there's still some openings that um, that are there. I don't think they're done with the portal in either. and and skill position. Yeah, because they're going to be without Gunnar Gentry, Ayer Asante, Wyatt Whelan, and Ryan Marquez. That's they're all gone. I have a feeling you'll probably see one offensive lineman. Well, they got a guy they really like, this Alex Kahn dude. Uh, yeah. Started at Nebraska and then won a national title last year at Iowa Western. He seems to me like a guy who's probably ready to probably ready to step in early here. Uh, we also know Wyoming does have offers out to wide, wide receivers, Isaiah Alston from Army and uh, Kristen Cochran from Arkansas Pine Bluffs. Those guys haven't signed yet. They do have offers from Wyoming, so – those could be a couple guys to keep your eyes on, too. Also, we didn't see Devin Body from Vanderbilt scratch the surface this year. He's another guy who's super fast. You don't go to the SEC, even if it's Vanderbilt, unless you have unbelievable speed. They tried giving him some end-of-rounds, stuff like that. I feel like they need to get him, find more creative ways to get him the football as well. Totally agree with him. Uh, Shea Suinoa coming back. Uh, huge, huge, Big news. huge news. Uh, these guys were all announced, if you'll remember, they were all announced on senior day, so we didn't know if they were coming back or what. Um, Sui Noah had his best year by far. Um, two years ago, he missed 21 tackles, which was the most in the country, which tells me, yeah, you need to work on your tackling, but you are Johnny on the spot. You just need to finish the play and make the play. 
he did that this year. He really stepped up and did that this year. And especially the first seven, eight games of yes. the season, he played like he really hadn't well. played the year before. He, you could probably, if you want to be really picky, yeah, kind of reverted back to missing a few tackles here and there towards the end of the season. Yeah, but some of that might have been we don't know. Maybe he was banged up and just couldn't lay that lick like he wanted. Well, to. and when he did miss twenty-one tackles, he had to get labrum surgery in the offseason. His shoulder was bothering him all year. Uh, Easton <laughs> Gibbs having shoulder problems as well. Uh, but huge pickup for them because they were going to have to go with some unknowns there at that spot, whether it was Connor Shea and Cole DeMarzo or what. I mean, they were going to have to go with some guys who are not insurance starters. So I did listen to a podcast with Sui Anoa yesterday. Him and a buddy down in Texas were just shooting the breeze. And uh, he mentioned, you know, why Wyoming and why staying at Wyoming? Uh, Logan Wilson, Chad Muma, Cash Malawia. That's why. And he he actually said, I feel like – now is the time. Now is my time. And I agree. It is. And he sat on the bench for three, four years before he even played. So um, I see a huge season for him. I'd imagine he moves over to the middle and takes over for Easton, and they kind of go from there. Uh, Jordan Bertinoli, um, he's the one I've been sitting on for a long, long time. You've known since yes. whole week? Before that. Yeah. I think since the last game of the year, right after the last game of the year, uh, found out that Bert was coming back. He asked me not to say anything because he wanted to make that announcement himself, which I totally respect. And uh, I asked him again after the bowl game, on the field, after the bowl game, right when they were going to celebrate. I was like, you're still coming back? And he said, yeah, but let me say it. Let me tell it. So really excited for Bird to come back. That's another huge, huge acquisition, if you will, offseason acquisition for the Cowboys. And for him, it was more of a family decision, too. I mean, he he's not making these decisions on his own anymore. You know? He's- yeah. He's got a kid on the way. He's got a wife now. Yep. Um, you know, I think in some of our talks, I think that he wasn't as happy with the way he performed down the stretch, too, and you wonder what you're hearing as far as grades and stuff like that. And he probably also, you know, talked to Andrew Peasley about raising a family and playing football at the same time Yeah, and how hard it was. And and sometimes, you know, you go to that practice and that's a little bit of a of a release yeah, as no well. Doubt. And these guys who have played forever, too, they don't have the demanding school schedules anymore, yeah. which is also very nice because I, I can't even imagine. That would be brutal. Um, wrote a column yesterday. Jay Savell is pushing all the right buttons. The only mistake that I think he's made is he brought the bronze boot out at halftime of the basketball game last Saturday and not this Saturday. Yeah, I wonder why, but some of it might be recruiting. The recruiting. He might yeah. be not even here, or they're hosting people, and he didn't want to do it yeah. there. And maybe some of the other players, which it was kind of thin anyway. Probably to be nine, honest with you, eight or nine. But usually you see thirty to forty guys out there. But uh, you know, none of the students are going to the basketball games anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, hopefully, yeah. they show up this Saturday. Yeah, I hope so. But yeah, it was kind of weird. But then again. Who cares? Yeah, no. And yeah. but he did a hell of a job on the mic. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And and that's kind of what I'm getting at, joking around here, is that that's his only mistake in my opinion so far that he's made. Did he reply to you yet? No, not yet. He will. I've actually been waiting for that. Yeah. Uh, he's done a great job in my opinion. Been on the job for 24 days now, and uh, 
I think he's put together a great staff. I really do. I, I, I really, I like all of them, but I really like the Jason Petrino hire. Yep, I, I love too. it. I think that could be a really big deal. And if the posts are going to score 98 when Jay's sitting courtside, yep. you better have him down there every damn game. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. They played lights out that yeah. day. Um, anything you want to see still before... I believe I heard yesterday that uh, Pro Day is March 19th. April will be spring football. Spring Anything you want to see? or I'm For me, I'm kind of interested who will coach the linebackers now that Aaron. Uh, my thoughts are I bet Hendricks, I bet Brian Hendricks, who's been coaching the edge rushers, I bet he'll take over the linebacking core, and then I can imagine Oscar Giles taking over the entire defensive front. That's just me. I don't know. But why can't Aaron still coach a position being the D coordinator? I guess he, he could because most do, but I wonder if they want to put anything extra on his plate being a rookie coordinator. But he's That's still, the only reason I say that. I mean, by being a coordinator out of practice when they're not in team and then when they're in individual, what's he going to do then? So Go around all of them? So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I'm not downplaying this position at all. I played it in high school. It's my favorite position on the field. But maybe be the edge rushing coach because, I mean, let's be real. There's not. Yeah, a little bit less. Seal the edge, kill the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that's that. Get the pitch, man. Yeah. I would say when you, you ask the question, what do I want to see? I want to see Jay open up spring practices to the media and to fans. Apparently that's going to happen at least a couple times, he told Ryan Thorburn. But especially for spring. I understand game preparation sure. week, you know, uh, especially not Wednesdays and Thursdays. Well, and we don't want to go to every practice. Yeah. But Monday, when yeah. you're there for media day, yes. and they're doing something that day, yeah. you're already there. Yep. Come to practice. Would love Because it's not game preparation. Yep. They're not doing fakes. Yep. They're not doing installation stuff on a Monday. When I've talked about this on the show before, Tom Izzo let us watch every practice, but he would say, basically, if you tweet anything out that's me yelling at a player or saying anything specific to a player, injuries, I will kill you. No videos. No videos. Other than that, that, do whatever you want, but I I want you to see our team and I want you to highlight our team, but I will kill you. You will never come back in this room ever again if, if any of these rules are broken. And, and Craig, the few times he cracked and said, okay, I'll let you watch third downs here. He'd be like, this this crap better not see the light of day on the internet, blah, blah, blah. And that's you have to have that respect for one another. Sure. And I, that's kind of why I was – I've never been mad at Craig about that. I get it. Mark D'Antonio never let us go anywhere near practice either. However, you got a pretty veteran core of reporters here. Ryan Thorburn and I are never going to – we're not going to burn you. We're not going to do that. We we want to do this job for a long time, and we realize you know we got to play the game and we got to get along. And the consequence is you're not allowed to practice anymore, and you probably get your yeah pass jerked. Yeah, and I would I put that up. I put my pass up to go to that and not say a word. And if I had any questions about something, I could say I would go. And I feel like I could do this with Jay. I feel like I could go. Hey man, I saw that unbelievable catch or whatever. Can I? Do you care if I write about it? It's just like going to a men's basketball practice. Yeah. I mean, if somebody videoed one of those. Yeah. Oh, you'd be you'd be done. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if that ever leaked mm-hmm. of what goes on at basketball practices, yeah. and I'm not just saying Wyoming. I've been to a lot of men's basketball practices. 
they are hardcore. Oh, they, they would, get after one another. Yeah, your own fan base would be like, "Oh my god, this is abuse." And sometimes you can hear that from the stands during a game anyway, no yeah. matter who and even on TV. Oh. You see them going berserk. I saw Tom now I can talk about it. He can take my credential all he wants. Uh, I saw Tom Izzo kick a guy off his team, a, a point guard. I saw him kick him out of practice at least 3 times. Like, "Get the hell off my team. You're worthless. We don't want you anyway. We're better without you anyway." And then the whole, then he's like, F you, screaming back at Izzo. And then he walks out, and the whole team follows the guy and goes, come on, man, come back. Yeah. We need you. And Izzo's still in the background going, we don't need him. He's a bum. We don't need him. <laughs> it's pretty ruthless. Yeah. But then at the end of practice, you see Izzo go over and put his arm around the kid and say, I love you. We do need you. Pull your head out of your and ass. Sometimes that's their way of teaching. Yep. And a lot of these times, kids need that. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, Linder last year was like bringing trash bags to practice, allegedly, and saying, pack your shit. If you're not here to play and you're not going to do what I tell you to, pack your shit. Well, and go one further. I was told that he kicked everybody out of practice and said, if you guys don't want to learn from me, I'm going to go coach in the NBA. Get out of here. This this practice is done. Yeah. He said he was going to go be an assistant in the NBA. Yeah. <clears throat> Why not? I mean. And I'm pretty sure practice happened the next day and the rest of the season happened. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure he told the guys to pack their shit, and they did. Well, <laughs> three, three of them three did. Three of them did. <laughs> uh, before we get on to hoops here to close things out, uh, Mountain West will have six new faces next year. It's really wild when you think about – I have it written down, or I have it down here. Troy Calhoun, 17 years at Air Force. Next most tenured coach, who would you think that is? Well, I know we talked about this, and I can't remember. I think it's a two-year coach. Three. Three. Uh, Anderson at Utah State. Yep, Blake Anderson. Yep. Three years at Utah State. And then a bunch of two-year guys. Norvell, two. Tedford, two. It's Tedford's second stint. Which, by the way, what if Jeff Tedford doesn't isn't on the mend or whatever he's dealing with? I mean, that could throw a wrench in things for Fresno State. Timmy Chang at Hawaii, also his second year. Barry Odom, one year at UNLV, and he's already a hot commodity, isn't he? Yeah, it didn't take long. And his offensive coordinator. Jay Savell, Wyoming, Jeff Choate, Nevada, Sean Lewis, San Diego State, Spencer Danielson, Boise State, Bronco Mendenhall, New Mexico, San Jose State, in A. After Coach Brent Brennan goes to Arizona. Goes to Arizona. And now they hire, I'm, I'm going to butcher the last name. A replacement AD that's like the former no, sophomore. No, I'm coach. sorry, at San Jose State. Oh yeah, now there's now they do yeah. have not an NA. Uh, the old Navy coach, Navy's former coach, who did a hell of a job at Navy, by the way. Baba 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 baba. Yeah. Yes, he is a great hire for them. Yeah, he is a West Coast guy, Polynesian. Yep. Who has those ties? Look at all those West Coast schools and even you know Rocky Mountain schools. If you want to throw in BYU and Utah and Utah State, that gets a lot of Polynesian players. Kinua Matalalo. <laughs> How many years was he at Nevada? I mean, excuse me, at Navy. Because then you look at his experience, and he's already said, folks, that he's not going to run just the triple option. He he's hiring he's going to hire an offensive coordinator with a spread offense background. But I don't know if you've seen in the last two days San Jose State, the portal has been filling up. 
<laughs> really quick. They lost. They've lost a ton of guys, including some Polynesians. That that is surprising. He was at Navy from 2007 to 2022. He also was 15 seasons. He was also an assistant head coach and an offensive line coach at Navy from 2002 to 2007. So I mean, really, you look at it. He's he's number two on that list. Now. Well, and now I'd look even more in from 97 to 98. He was the quarterbacks coach and the OC at Navy. And 95 to 96, he was the running backs coach at Navy. 90 to 94, a GA at Hawaii. And he played at Hawaii. He's been doing this a minute. And I think that's a really good hire. I do too. And I, I think New Mexico hit it out of the park. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked Bronco Mendenhall came out of retirement to take over what we perceive to be one of blood. the tougher jobs in the Mountain West Conference. But... We've seen it too many times. Broncos going to do some good things down there. And quickly. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that's interesting, Spencer Danielson at Boise State, he was another in-house hire a la Jay Savell. Boise State didn't lose much to the transfer portal themselves. So there's something to the in-house hire. Well, when they and they showed that video online as well, mm-hmm. when they were announced, yeah. those players went nuts. Yeah, they did. That's just showing that they did not like. Avalos whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I liked Andy. I, I liked him a lot, but obviously, uh, you know, different kind of cat for sure. But Troy Calhoun, once again, leader of the pack in the Mountain West. 17 years. Would somebody please hire that guy? Maybe if only he could finish a season out. <laughs> well, and think about this. All the crap we gave Craig Bull, and rightfully so, for 10 years of not winning a Mountain West title, Troy Calhoun has never won a Mountain West title. That shows the difference in fan bases, even though we all know there's plenty of differences in our fan bases. Um, that just shows right there. He doesn't have any heat. Well, and it also shows you the the national media jumping on that bandwagon. Guarantee they're going to be a New Year's Day team, all this kind of stuff, and then they just fall off the rails. They sure do. And you and I knew or had talked about, they weren't, they're not that good. No. This is not one of the better Air Force teams I've seen on either side of the ball. And I just missed opportunities on Wyoming's part and a couple other teams earlier on. They should have knocked them off well before those last four games that they were derailed. So. And, boy, Army exposed them big time. And, honestly, Navy, it, Navy played them really well, too, but the wind was blowing 500 miles an hour, and they just couldn't get anything going that mm-hmm. day in Annapolis. But, yeah, I don't know. Air Force is one of those weird teams. Oh, they always are. We don't know. Next year they could be world beaters and kill everyone, or they could be a four-win team. We don't know. And and But do they really care about that Commander-in-Chief's trophy more so than winning a Mountain West championship? Because he has zero heat. Zero. And we saw the heat Craig Bold got. But I also think it's better. I think it's a good thing because I think it shows Wyoming fans really care and there are real true blue dyed-in-the-wool Wyoming fans down in Colorado Springs. Those people aren't from Colorado Springs. And it's probably 50-50, their fan base, if they want the Commanders and Chiefs trophy or if they want the Mountain West Championship. Like, we want a bronze boot, yeah. but I think we... I think we all would like to see a banner. Um, yeah. It's been 30 years. If you lose the bronze boot and still win the Mountain <clears throat> West Championship. Which they did in 93. Yeah. Pretty good trade-off. Yeah. That was Lubick's first year, right? Yes. <clears throat> so they lost the bronze boot and won the uh, Share to Whack title. Went to a, 
uh, the Copper Bowl. I, I mean, as a Wyoming fan, I don't think you ever want to even envision losing the bronze boot, but... It's going to happen. <laughs> but would you take that yeah. trade-off? Yeah. I don't know. Man, I, I hate to even say it out loud. I don't know. I don't know if I would take that trade-off, but I should. I don't even know who you are. I should take that trade-off, but I can't stand the vision. It, well, it brings it, me back to my youth. I can't stand the vision of them holding the boot. And a team almost every year from the very beginning... Their goal is to win a conference championship. Yeah. Second one is to win rival. their rival trophies. Yep. Or maybe maybe it is the other way around, but it's still the importance levels of each, and then getting to that championship game, yep. getting to a G, you know the New Year's Day game, yep. and maybe in sometimes in Wyoming's case, all right, knock off BYU. Yeah. You know, in the non-conference yep. game. Absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, you know, wrapping up football there, and we'll just get into some other sports been going on. It's been a long time since we've talked about some other things. Uh, great job by Quincy Howe and his jumpers on the men's and women's track team. Uh, Sadie McCollum and Kareem Mersal were both named the Mountain West Conference uh, Field Athletes of the Week last last week. Uh, Mersal went 26-3 and three quarters to break a school record to break a – Mountain West record, and he is ranked number two in the NCA in indoor this season. Nice, that's crazy. Yeah, good job, uh, congratulations. Yeah, and then Sadie McMullen out. Of, she's out of Morrison, Colorado. She was named the Mountain West Female Field Athlete of the Week. She also won the uh, meet last week down at the Air Force Academy. She went twenty feet three and a half inches. Nice, and so congratulate to her. Congratulations to her, and she ranks 23rd in the country this year. Excellent. Excellent. Good start for them. Uh, let's get into hoops real quick. Yeah, let's get into hoops real quick. Let's let's go on the cowgirl side real quick. Yes. Yep. Great job winning the first uh, game in the uh, border war. Beat Colorado State. Um, held their all-conference player, the, the preseason player of the year, down. Um, she's going to get hers. Don't get me wrong, but she was well below her average, um, on the, on the point side and they did lose at New Mexico. They were leading the entire game till the fourth quarter. And I, I'm, I did not watch the game. I just saw a lot of comments complaining about the refs. You know what? You're on the road. Things are going to go against you. It's a learning experience for them, but I want to give a shout out to the coaching staff for putting together that non-conference schedule. No doubt. Creighton, Gonzaga, and Nebraska, and Oklahoma State, four yeah. of those games, that's really put them in the position to play well in the Mountain West down the stretch. And Mountain West Championship is their goal. Yeah, no doubt. Getting to that NCAA tournament, winning the Mountain West tournament, that is their goal. And, UNLV, and they're well on their way. Yeah, and UNLV has looked unbeatable. Uh, not this year. They just lost to New Mexico. So uh, they're beatable. So... And Wyoming's games against UNLV last year were close. Close, yeah. They really were. So, Yep. On to the Cowboy basketball side. Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked in a while. Uh, I think we've missed a couple of a quail caught buzzer beaters. Um, Big shot caught. Yep. Yeah, thanks for that headline, by the way. <laughs> I used it immediately. Um, yeah, beat San Jose State. They come down from back from 17 to win that game. Uh, really nice win. Uh, couldn't Can't lose that game. <laughs> like you cannot lose that game, and to go down seventeen like that was uh, 
Not ideal. Um, I actually asked Cott after they beat Nevada the other night, 98-93. I'm like, man, it's got to feel pretty good not to have to hit a game-winning shot, doesn't it? He's like, eh. <laughs> I kind of had fun with it. <laughs> but you you look at the Nevada game, they were really – they got down 10 earlier, and, and you do, you have in the back of your mind, oh, here we go again, that first half, whoa. Well, they're going to have to play really good in the second half. No, they they played really well in the second half of the first half. Yeah, and put it to Nevada. That defense buckled down. Yep. And Blackshear, who thinks you think he's been around for ten years in yeah. the league, he was really non-existent Same. that entire game. I know that coaches don't like to give any singular player credit for shutting a guy down. I watched that matchup all night long. Sam Griffin, who was not known for his defense was on Blackshear's hip all after A much bigger Blackshear. Much bigger. Three, four inches bigger. And 30 pounds heavier, probably. Yep. And when they put when they took Griffin out f- to give him a blow, Kel Combs, true freshman. Kobe Newton, of course, the other guard who's usually the sixth man off the bench. He's been dealing with an illness, was in the hospital this last week. He's unavailable, clearly. They bring in Kel Combs, a guy who played high school basketball at this time last year. He's going up against Keenan Blackshear, did a great job against him as well. Uh, and, and it is always a group effort. You know, Wenzel did a good job on him as well. But Sam Griffin, a guy who you would think is just all about scoring, doesn't want to play D, he is picking it up big time. And he did last night against San Diego State as well. Yeah, not only did Griffin score, mm-hmm. dished out seven assists, named the Mountain West One turnover. player of the week, and then he had that defensive effort as well. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was when I when When the dust settled, I looked and I saw one turnover. I'm like, they're – that was an that was a great effort. And there's a lot to be negative about um, when you're looking at this team. I mean, what are they ten and nine now? Yeah. Middle of the pack in the Mountain West. Come that first week and second week in March, they are going to raise havoc. Yeah. To some teams that don't want to see them in the first round of the tournament, and if they win that game, they don't want to see them in the second round. I wrote that last night. Create chaos. All I pinned a column before the season even started, saying just be competitive. Bust your ass, play the right way, do your thing. The fans will come. The fans will back you. They'll fall in love with this team. And Mason Walters, every game that he plays, you see something different and better about him. Yes, he played. He was the NIA Player of the Year. That speed of those games that he pl- he was playing the last four years compared to what he's playing against now yeah. is crazy. And even the commentators last night on the CBS broadcast, they were – very positive about Mason Walters. Like, yes, this kid is good, and he's only going to get better towards the end of the season. Well, and not to be underscored, too, They and Linders brought this up, and I, I just, when he brings stuff up, I can already feel the fan base just going, excuses, excuses. Um, there's no places like the Pit or the Spectrum or Viejas in the NAIA circuit. No. <laughs> this is a whole new monster from that speed you talked about, Folks, the length. They're playing in gyms that are smaller than Central and East High School. Exactly. With less fans in them. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. He, I thought Walters was really good early last night. He really stemmed the tide there when, when San Diego State comes out and hits three straight threes. You can kind of, every once in a while, there's a brain fart where he'll put the ball on the floor and try to dribble. And it's like, uh, you can't do that against these guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> and he got the ball taken away from him several times last night. But some of his times. passes, though, you can tell. Uh, Leonard compares him to Maldonado, and you can really tell that he makes some passes, but sometimes the guys can't handle them. And or creative passes. Creative, very. And the one that went right off Powell's head. Yep. Or yeah. Manuel. Manuel's head, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But and it's a beautiful idea. Two other players 
Manuel and Powell, every single game, they are complementing one another to what each other's doing. And they're going to get in foul trouble. They're young, yeah, one, yeah. and they're they're trying to be physical, and they're going to get called those times. Yeah. Where this team needs to improve, and we can say it till we're blue in the face, is cut down the turnovers. Yes. Last night was really magnified, too, to have 15 of them turn into 19 points. I don't know if I have ever seen a game where at one point it was 10-0. to Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean. I think it got up to 13-0. Yeah. Yeah. No, to me, the turning point last night was when Powell picked up his third foul because he was doing a great job against Ladee. I mean, Ladee is an All-American type of player, and he's the leading scorer in the Mountain West, leading rebounder, you know, leading this, leading that. He is the man. And Powell made life miserable for that guy most of the night. And then the Aztecs just started hitting shots in the second half. At yeah. one point, it was 15 of 20. I have. <laughs> I actually, like an idiot, kept writing down how bad this got. They ended this game. Well, when did I stop counting? Oh, I didn't. 47-22 run to end this game. It got so bad, it was a 28-8 to run. Well, the Pokes had a seven-point lead. Yeah, they went on it. They had, the Cowboys had a 9-0 run early in the second half, and that's when Powell picked up his third. Oleg Kojinitz comes in. Ladee scores over him immediately. Ladee and one the next trip down. Hits his free throw. Then Butler gets going. Saunders gets going. See, Cody does do his work, you guys. I do, He's man. not just sitting there pretty face nope. watching games. Nope. I wish I was. 11 in a row. 11 straight losses to San Diego State. I don't think that's really a shock to anyone. I mean, these guys, I wrote in my column last night, they've been the bully of the Mountain West for a long, long time. This Saturday, a ranked CSU team comes to Laramie. If you're going to come to a game this year, make this your one. Yeah. I, I'm very confident in this game. Maybe I'm – If the Pokes play idiot. like they have the last two games, yeah. absolutely. That's the thing. I'm, that's my big takeaway, though, from San Diego State last night. They didn't – you can see some of these Wyoming teams that go in that building and San Diego State gets going and they just are – we saw a little bit of it toward the end where the Cowboys were just turning it over left and right and San Diego State's putting on a show on the other end. But you can see that for more than a half sometimes. I and from they, the get-go. From the get-go. <laughs> I think the Cowboys really handled it. They went down 11-4 right off the bat, and I, I thought, oh, boy. They already hit their first three threes. Then they missed 10 threes in a row, the Aztecs did. Cowboys just clawed right back in, and Griffin was confident. They were creating shots. I actually mentioned to my buddy before the game started – I don't even know if they can create shots. I don't know if they're going to let Griffin – their guards are so much bigger. I don't know if they're going to even let Cotton Griffin get an open look. They created their own looks all night, and they were good. They were good, and they were hitting them. You don't – you cut those turnovers in half, and Brendan Wenzel scores seven, you might win that game. And this Saturday, too, make sure you're rooting for Cot to do better than Joel Scott. Yeah. Because Joel Scott was the – Division two player of the year yep. at Black Hill State and Cott, who also played in the RMAC against Joel Scott a lot, yeah. was a first team all, yeah. um, all all American, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's so a good point. it'll be a good little uh, matchup against those two as well. It's a good point. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm confident. I I, I feel really confident that this group can. You know, at the beginning of the year, you might have said, oh, my God, CSU is going to absolutely truck Wyoming. Like, this isn't even going to be close this year. I don't feel that at but all. weather's supposed to be good. If you're going to come to a, a basketball game, make it happen. Yep. And the first person who 
tweets at Cody that wants tickets for this game after listening to this podcast, you get two free tickets. Awesome. There you go. Games at 2 p.m., only streaming on the Mountain West Network, which sucks. It's fine for me, though, because it's a home game. Yeah. No, it's We're fine. We're going to be there. It's fine. It's just, how do you put that? not put that game, a rivalry game on TV. It drives me crazy. It is on TV. It's on the app. <laughs> Cowboys are 3-3. Three and three. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the year they'd be 3-3 three and three in the Mountain West right now, I'd take that. After that Weber State game, I was so down in the dumps. Yeah. And I was like, you find me five Mountain West games that are going to win. Yeah. And they've already won three in the first rotation. Three, and then uh, you look at it here, after after they take on number 24 CSU on Saturday, they travel to Air Force, which, oh, by the way, beat the brakes off UNLV last night inside the Thomas and Mack Center. Like, embarrassingly bad. Then the Cowboys go to the Thomas and Mack. Then they come home to take on another top 25 team in New Mexico, Home again against number 18, Utah State, at San Jose State, which San Jose State's another team that, man, they're just, they're a few last-minute shots away from being 3-3, three and 4-2 three, and two themselves. And you think of San Jose State as one of the worst teams in this conference. Air Force came into that game last night at UNLV on an eight-game losing streak. What did they, they won like 90-60-something. to 60 something. I mean, it was an absolute massacre. They were up by 37 at one point in Vegas. That You just don't see that. Even really bad UNLV teams yeah. never get down in that arena that far. But, I mean, when you look ahead, I hate even doing this, looking ahead at that schedule. I mean, at San Jose State, then at Nevada, you know Nevada's going to want a piece of Wyoming's ass after what happened. Then they come home to take on UNLV, or Boise State, UNLV, CSU, close out against Air Force and at Fresno State. You can't take a breath. I mean, an Air Force player had a triple-double. Second in program history. What was that score? 90-58. to 58. Oh, my God. 39-24 at halftime, and then it just got worse in the second half. Air Force scored 51 points in a half. How, what was Air Force's shooting percentage in this game? I know they were hitting a bunch at the beginning because we were – I was listening to it while I was writing my story. But. 55.4. They were 50% from three and 82 from the free throw line. How many threes did they hit? 14 of 28. Ouch. Cowboys hit 13 against Nevada. I mean, that was a big deal. They out-rebounded UNLV by six. Wow. That's just effort, man. And UNLV was 17% from three and 31% from the field. And this is a UNLV team that went on the road and snapped the longest winning streak in college basketball at Boise State just a week ago. And the Boone brothers did not do hardly anything. 15 points between them. Wow. It's just it's a weird conference, man. It's a really weird, really strong. That one's lack of preparation. The player's like, oh, we got this. Oh. They're not listening to their coaches. Like, you just beat it into them. Watch the cut. Watch the cut. You got to play 30 seconds of defense. You got to play 30 seconds of defense, and then players just don't do it. And then next thing you know, you're down 15. Air Force scored 90 points, draining that much <laughs> off the shot clock every trip down the court. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, is that? I mean, is that one that gets a coach a pink slip? If he doesn't turn it around in the next couple of games, most likely. I mean, my God. And, you know, we just talked about Wyoming's upcoming schedule. Uh, UNLV's has got to be just as brutal. I mean, the Mountain West is just brutal. And we say 
I've said it probably five or six, seven, eight years in a row. That tournament's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be really good. I mean, quarterfinal day, you get four games, and they're all going to be good, most likely. And then those semifinals are even going to be that much better. Sometimes the championship game, because they're kind of worn out, it's like, oh, it wasn't as good as I'd hoped. But quarterfinal and semifinal days, I love those two days. This is going to be – look at the gauntlet UNLV just got out of. Started their Mountain West uh, schedule at San Diego State. They lose by 11. Host New Mexico, win by 10. Go host Utah State. Remember, they lost on the five-point play. They shouldn't even have lost that game. They lose 87-86. They go to Boise and win 68-64. They barely lose at Colorado State, lose by three in Fort Collins. That is the – that is the gauntlet of all gauntlets right there. Then you look ahead if you're UNLV, and this is maybe what tripped them up. Air Force, San Jose State, Fresno State, Wyoming. So they think they have four games in a row. Yep, so they're thinking, oh, whew, finally we can take a break, and then Air Force pours 90 in on them. Yep. Now they go to San Jose State, which is a frisky team. Fresno State, which gave Boise State all they could handle last night. Wyoming, and then it goes right back to that. New Mexico, Nevada. CSU, and then they close the year out with San Diego State and Nevada again. Oh. This is the toughest I've ever seen the league. And I know I listen to uh, other Mountain West people talk about maybe the years with Kawhi Leonard and and Jimmy, Jimmer Fredette and those years. I mean, I guess I wasn't paying much attention because Wyoming just wasn't good. <laughs> but uh, maybe those years were better, but I don't know, man. Fights in the stands. Yeah, that's better. That was better. Wyoming getting in a bench-clearing brawl against New Mexico in the pit. That's better. I can get behind that. All right. I guess we'll close out with uh, Mr. Josh Allen. Once again, the only Cowboy still standing in the uh, NFL playoffs to Sean Gibson, the elder statesman over there, the safety for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, bad for him the other day. He fell down on that touchdown that he gave up. Yeah, I missed that. I was at the game. I yeah. missed it. Um but- yeah, but Josh, man, he's just he's getting such a bum, in my opinion, and not even with brown and gold glasses on. He's getting a bum rap here, man. He's he's laying it on the line, and it's starting to unfortunately remind me of maybe John Elway a little bit, Dan Marino a little bit. You know, you wish more Elway, more more Jim Kelly, that you at least made it to the big game because that just hasn't happened yet. Well, in this year, Josh has had to do less as far as carrying them on his back. But then you look at his stats and like, he actually did more. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But more efficient, but he, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't making those rushing plays against, uh, you know, say inferior opponents in the middle of the season. He did it when they needed him to at the goal line, Yep. but he wasn't making those silly runs and he was throwing the ball away. Yeah. But he also threw a lot of interceptions and there was just certain weeks where you just like, what are you doing? I've always like, thought that with the fumbling. You're such a big dude with big hands, and you're big and strong, and then you just – it seems like the easiest stuff gets the ball out of his hand. Yeah, and he just – it's like he gets to a certain point in the play and his hand just releases. Something. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, very weird. But um, I did see a comment from Diggs saying that he does not – he's not going to ask for his release in a trade. He's going to stay there. Nice. Um, I guess – Gabe Davis is the one that you may be worried about. I think it really hurt not having him down the stretch. Oh, definitely. Uh, but then, like, he's 
he's yelling back at fans after the loss the other day. Yeah. They were yelling at him for not being out there. Yeah. Like, the guy's hurt. Right. Yeah. I know the frustration's boiling over because it feels like the window's closing, but as a Broncos fan, it felt like the window was closing a lot with John Elway, too, and then it took a guy named Terrell Davis, and they figured it out. So, And that's the thing. Buffalo has a running back now. Uh-huh. I just they had so many defensive injuries. No Gabe Davis was definitely definitely hurt. You wonder if they're going to open up some uh, cap space by they obviously have a new tight end. Yeah. And Knox makes a hell of a lot of money, so maybe maybe Knox is the odd man out now and Kincaid's the guy for sure. And Shakir, uh, Boise State's guy, he he played pretty damn well this year too, so. And gosh, you look at the game the other night, Sherfield drops one. Diggs drops one. Yeah. Those are huge gains. I know. I know. And then the everybody's on the poor kicker. The poor bastard. The only thing that, I mean, yes, it's it's obviously a poor spot to be in. It's a hard job being yeah. a kicker, especially in a stadium where there's winds coming the way they are. But you saw the first field goal that he kicked. It did the same thing, but it just Weird. snuck inside, and it was yeah. a lot closer. Yeah. So – Back of his mind, and he even said it after the game. He goes, he goes, I kick in this all the time. I know where I need to be, and I thought I started the ball far enough left. Obviously, I didn't. Boy, his ball really shoots, doesn't it? But that wind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate to see it because mainly selfishly, I've been waiting for those tailgate part or those uh, Super Bowl parties where Josh <laughs> Allen's involved in the game and everybody's really excited. And I went down to Westby's and watched the game uh, the first half on on Sunday and. Ton of Bills fans. It was a lot of fun. That place was packed. You were famous this week. I was. Well, you were on that. Uh, oh yeah, on that Buffalo news station. Yeah, no, that was cool to be part of. I, uh, I don't know, just go when I'm called. I might go get some double dub wings right now. <laughs> Are they go? back? <laughs> well, they've they they have like seven trucks. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I've never had double dubs. I don't think. Let's go have the Josh Allen right now. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Sorry uh, we, the plague's been making its rounds. So, uh, obviously, I'm still not uh, 100%. And hopefully, Jared's not deathly ill tomorrow. You got a game to be at on Saturday. I will be there no matter what. <laughs> Me too. All right, guys. Have a great week.